0: Internal Medicine Physician with Hennepin County Medical Center, with more Healthy Matters. And good Sunday morning. Welcome to this edition of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. This is an open line show. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. Let me introduce you to your host, Dr. David Hilden, an internal medicine physician at Hennepin County Medical Center, which is going to be... A gorgeous, that, all the these new construction yeah, we, is
1: phenomenal. Yep, yeah, thanks, Danny. Good morning, everybody. We do have new construction at the hospital. For those of you who haven't been downtown Minneapolis, lately, there's a, there's kind of a lot of construction all, oh, yeah. all over downtown, which I guess is a good sign of a booming economy, isn't it? Well, down at HCMC, um, or Hennepin Healthcare, that's our name, is uh, we are... And HCMC is the hospital, but sure. um, the Hennepin Healthcare is building a brand new clinic and specialty center. It's even called the Clinic and Specialty Center. It's at Eighth and Park, across the street from the hospital, and it's just beautiful. It's a state of the art clinic and specialty center. It's got—I was in there just the other day in a half-built operating room, which is awfully cool. And uh, it's got operating rooms for same-day surgery. It's got rehab services. It's got primary care. It's got every specialty you can think of. It's got the Delta Dental um, uh, Dental Health Center, even pediatric dentistry for your kids. It's got an eye clinic. It has a coffee shop with lunch. It's gonna be a great one stop shop. It's got everything <laughs> you wanna see in the new building. I'm doing walking tours of the of the of the building for employees of the hospital, but also for the public. You wanna see the building, you listeners can go to clinicbuilding.org. It's kind of a generic sounding website, yeah. but it's ours. It's clinicbuilding.org. And uh, click on the, um, through the menu there, and you'll find a video of me looking at the orthopedic center in the new building. And I'm going to be doing a new video every few weeks on there. So go to clinicbuilding.org.
0: Fantastic. All right. As I said, this is an open line show. If you do have a general health questions for the doctor, this is uh, when uh, to bring it in either by phone or by text. Let me give you the phone numbers. 651-989-9226. Uh, text is 81807, 81807. Uh, you, you and I were talking. I know. I can just tell you from experience here in the the CCO building, there are folks that uh, are hitting some kind of virus. I assume it's kind of like major cold. Yeah, if, if and, not and some flu. Stuff, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, we call
1: it cold and flu season, and no. I think it's upon us. Um, but the problem is you can't always tell the difference, can you? What's the cold and That's what's That's what influenza? I was going
0: to ask you. There you really can't. Yeah, can you get a fever with a cold? Yeah,
1: you, not really, oh. um, and, but a, a low-grade fever. So the big difference is that. If you have, and the other big difference of influenza versus a cold, is that with a cold, it's usually in your chest and above. You know, you might have a little tightness in your chest, maybe some sneezing, a little coughing, maybe a little bit. It's mostly in your upper airways, up in your lungs, up in your throat, You might have a sore throat. You might have um, lots of nasal congestion and things like that, but you won't have high fevers, and you won't have all-over muscle aches and shaking chills and things like that. You know it if you have influenza. It's awful. It's awful, and it hits you like a ton of bricks, and it hits you very suddenly. Influenza does. A cold can come on over a day or two or three where you're just feeling worse. You get a little scratchy throat, and you're starting to get the sniffles, and that lasts over a few days. And it kind of has you tired, but you usually go to work, you know, or you usually go to school. Whereas an in influenza, you wake up feeling fine, and, and then boom, oh. lunchtime hits you, or something like that, and uh, and uh, so it hits you really quickly. And it's um, it, it's almost always got a fever associated with it. Um, influenza also has lots of um, uh, um, it has lots of cough muscle aches, and fever, the three big things. And it's not too early to get your flu shot. You can get it right now. I got mine Friday. It doesn't hurt at all. It's a little bitty, bitty, bitty needle in a flu shot. And uh, it's it's done in just a second, and it doesn't cause the flu. It can't cause the flu. Um, So darn near everybody over the age of six months can get your flu shot, and you can get it now. Pregnant people, little kids, everybody. People
0: are asking me uh, a couple of days ago, uh, can you get a flu shot if you're already sick? Not necessarily the flu, but... Right. What's the rule? There? Yeah,
1: that's a good question, Denny. Because if you're really sick, you probably shouldn't get any shot. You know, I mean, if you're really sick, if you got a fever or something like that, uh, you shouldn't. But if you're just feeling a little under the weather, you don't have a fever, you're not real sick, you probably um, everybody else can get one. You can't get the flu from it. You cannot get the flu from the influenza shot, but you can get a little soreness at your arm. You can get just a teeny, teeny little bit of local reaction. You just cannot get influenza. So the deal is if you're already sick, you know, some t- people want to maybe wait a week or two. And, and by that I mean sort of like a high fever and things.
0: Okay, there's a text that came in uh, earlier about uh, shingles. Uh, speak about shingles, how they present, and is this uh, limited only to our geriatric, uh, geriatric patients? Yeah, shingles
1: is a, is a common, common topic, isn't it? Um, it's not limited to older folks. Uh, anybody can get shingles. However, it's more common ...in older folks. So uh, the shingles are simply a reactivation of your chickenpox virus. And if you've ever had chickenpox, which is most all of us adults, if you've ever had chickenpox, you can get the shingles. And what happens, and this is a great thing to think about while you're having your Sunday morning coffee, If you, the chickenpox virus is living inside of you ever since you had the chickenpox. So it never went away. The chickenpox never went away. It's stuck around in your spinal cord... Or it's just kind of sitting there. And then one day, when you're older usually, or you you have an immune system problem, for some reason it decides to reactivate it. It becomes not dormant anymore. And since it's sitting there in your spinal cord, it goes down a specific nerve. And that that nerve goes to specific places of your body. Every nerve does a, a special place in your body. They're called dermatomes. If you ever want to look up a cool map of the human body, look up dermatome. D-E-R-M-A-T-O-M, as in Mary, M-E, dermatome. And look at that, and you can see where the the, the shingles virus, which is the chickenpox virus, re- can reactivate. So should you get the shot for that one, that's a kind of a good idea. You don't have to, but it's a good idea to get the shingles shot if you're age 60 or above because that's the group that's most likely to get shingles and the group most likely to have problems from it.
0: 651-989-9226. There's a line open if you want to use the phone to ask the doctor your question. 651-989-9226. Again, text number is 81807.
1: So we got some other um, text messages here, Denny. Can we, can yeah, yeah, can we take a few of these sure. while we line up some phone calls? Sure. All right, here it goes. What causes... Let's see, what causes sharp pain in the lower back in the tailbone area? It's worse in the middle of the night and morning. Anybody who has back pain in the lower back, it's almost always benign, but not always. And when I say benign, meaning something you don't really have to worry about, um, it can be something like a pulled muscle, a strange lower back. It can be, that's, that's not something you have to worry about. You just should be active and all that. There is also the possibility that you have a pinched nerve in your lower back. That's not something to worry about, but it can really hurt a lot. And so, uh, again, exercise and the like. However, there are a few conditions for, for which low back pain around your tailbone and your lower back are dangerous, and um, so you should seek out medical attention promptly. They would be if you have real weakness in your legs. In other words, your, your leg is weak. You can't walk. You're hitting your toes on the stairs. Your leg is weak. You can't bear weight on it. So if it's causing that, you need to be seen. If you're having at number two is if you're having bladder or bowel problems, you need to be seen. And then number three, if you have a personal history of cancer, you need to be seen. Um, the reason for that is that sometimes cancer comes back. Sometimes it comes back into your bones, and sometimes it comes back into the bones of your spine. So uh, you need to um, uh, be seen if you've had cancer, if you're having bladder or bowel problems with your back pain, or if you're having real weakness in your legs then you need to be seen more quickly.
0: Let's take one more text before we break. What do you say?
1: Okay, how about this? I'm on diltiazem for atrial fibrillation. I've been on it for a few months and been on metoprolol for a long time. Now I have foot and ankle swelling, pain with it sometimes. Could it be from the diltiazem? Is this something I should be concerned about? So this person, you're on two medications to slow your heart rate down. Um, Metoprolol does that, and, and diltiazem does that as well. They both also drop your blood pressure. Neither of them is known to cause leg swelling to this degree. I think it's probably something else. So you asked, is it from the tiltiazem? Well, anything's possible, but it's not one of the common side effects. I think you should have that looked at. Maybe you sprained your ankle. Maybe you just twisted it. Maybe you have a blood clot. Um, maybe you have some other kind of problem. So if you have a new swollen or or, um, or red or warm or painful ankle and foot, I would have that looked at, but it's Probably, not certainly, but probably not the diltiazum. All
0: right, very good. We'll take our usual break here. We'll come back with more. If you have any kind of question, health question, general question for Dr. Hilden, by all means, you can phone it in, 651-989-9226, or you may just send him a text at 81807. We'll be back with more healthy matters here on 830 WCCO. And good morning, welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today again. You're driving the show, your general health questions for Dr. David Hilden. If you want to send a text 81807 or call us 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six. I know we have a whole slew of uh, text messages.
1: We do have a whole slew of them, and more than we have phone calls right now. So yeah. I'm going to go to the text line again and, and try to handle um, a few of these. Here's one that says, uh, "I am great show." Well, thank you, Mister Texter. Um, he, that's how it starts the text. And then he says, "I'm a 65 year old male recently diagnosed with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. I have controlled atrial fibrillation on metoprolol. Please comment on the IPF condition." IPF is indeed idiopathic means idiopathic means doctors don't know what causes it pulmonary lungs fibrosis is scarring so it is a it's a progressive disease where it's where unlike emphysema or asthma which are problems of your lungs and your airways in other words the space in your lungs idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis is a disease of the tissue So your lungs look like sponges. Everybody imagine a sponge. That's more what your lungs look like. It's not like a balloon with a big open gaping hole in it. It's like a sponge with little jillions and jillions of little teeny sacs called alveoli. The walls of those alveoli have to be very thin in order to let oxygen and carbon dioxide pass through them. In pulmonary fibrosis, they get scarred. And we're not sure why. And when they get scarred, you get short of breath. You don't breathe so well. And over the course of a few years, it usually progresses and is often um, progressive to the point when it's life-threatening. That happens to some people and many people with pulmonary fibrosis. It's not that common, but it is out there. So if you're having shortness of breath and trouble breathing and you don't have things like emphysema, you, um, you go to a lung doctor and they can help you diagnose that. There are some treatments for it. But I do have to say, we don't for the idiopathic kind, the kind we don't know what causes it, we don't have a great way to reverse it. Um, but it's, that's uh, that's what the IPF thing is. Um, so uh, go go see a lung doctor to that texture. Um, it's it's a slowly progressive thing, so there's room for optimism. Um, here's another one. Thanks for the show. Please explain: Is hospice service an actual person available 24/7 for the individuals? Meaning, will you help care for the dying person be in the home? Hospice generally is a range of services. It's um, sometimes, sometimes you can have a person with you 24-7 in the home, but that is by far, by far, by far not the common thing. Um, there are such things as residential hospice programs where, you, where the person who is in the, the latter months, last few months of his or her life, lives there where there's 24-7 care. Those are quite rare. Hospice is far more commonly a, a set of services where somebody helps you to be in your home or be in your assisted living or be in a nursing home, but you have special services to call upon. Uh, the nurse or the hospice resources are available 24/7 by phone. So you can call for help. They have respite services for so your loved one can um, so you as the caregiver can get away. Um, but, they have, but they have a range of services that you can choose which things are the best for you and your loved one. But are they there 24-7 in the home? Not usually. That's not the most common way um, that hospice is done. Um, I've, the, the word I've heard used the most for um, hospice caregivers by people who have had them is angel I've heard that more. I yeah, had a patient just true. this week said, the hospice people, they're angels. They are, <laughs> they're yeah. just angels. They are people who care for human beings so much and to such an incredible degree. And they care for you in your last few months of your life. And, and um, they're, they're um, simply an incredibly good service to help people um, uh, live their last uh, parts of their life in a way that they want to live them. 651-989-9226.
0: Or send a text again, 81807. Let's go to the phones. Lisa's calling from uh, Andover. Lisa, the doctor's listening.
2: Thank you. I'm just wondering if you could speak to this issue. It's regarding hearing loss and auditory hallucinations or what's also called musical ear um, in folks who have hearing loss. It's um, phantom voices, music, rumbling. Um, often in elderly, this seems to happen into with. And I'm wondering beyond... Um, drugs or medication, which I'm hearing, can actually exasperate the issue. I'm wondering if you've heard of it and if you've heard of any kind of treatments for it.
1: That's a great question, Lisa, um, and I am not familiar enough about that to say anything um, uh, of with any authority. I'll preface my comments with that. No, I haven't heard tons about that. I have heard a lot about hearing loss. I've heard lots about hearing things that you shouldn't be hearing in your ears, but it's usually noises. I hear buzzing, ringing, um, uh, things like that. That's tinnitus. And I also know I've heard a great deal about auditory hallucinations. That is a very real thing, and it's generally a form of psychosis where your brain is playing tricks on you, and so it's a form of psychosis in the mental health um, realm. And you've already touched on that, Lisa. You said anything other than drugs because it can make it worse. And that's a very good point. I would imagine that, and this is, again, I'm not an authority, that anyone that is having any kind of hearing weirdness like that should, A, get a hearing test, make sure that an audiologist has seen you, that an ear, nose, throat has seen you, to make sure that there's not um, some organic or some visible cause, some, something that's reversible that they can help you with. And if that's not the case, I would indeed see a mental health professional to make sure that you don't have one of those issues, um, that you don't have some kind of psychosis type of issue, because they are common, very common, and they are also um, very, very treatable. So see that the ears are, are everything's been treated there, see a mental health professional, and if not, if. Neither one of them thinks you have the problem in their area. I. That's when I'm at a little bit of a loss because I wouldn't know what to suggest to you. So I'll be just perfectly honest on that. My first reaction would been any would have been to take some kind of medication that has been shown to be helpful for hallucinations. And there's many, but whether they can make it worse, Lisa, that's a really good question. I wouldn't. Hmm. Uh, I wouldn't. Um, no, but I think it's possible they could make it worse, but it's possible they could help. So I would see people in both of those realms.
0: Thank you, Lisa. 651-989-9226, there's a line open. Uh, Chris is calling from uh, Lionel Lakes this morning. Uh, Chris, the doctor's listening. Hello, Chris.
3: So, um, yeah, hi. So um, when is the medical community going to acknowledge chronic Lyme disease and when are insurances going to start to pay for treatment?
1: Good question, Chris. Um uh, when is the medical community going to um, acknowledge it? Well, I think um, me and everybody else I know in the medical community that has been trained in, in medical schools and has gone to all their training acknowledges that there is a chronic pain syndrome that is associated with Lyme disease. Once you've had Lyme disease and you've been treated for Lyme disease, the, 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 there is in some people a great long period of time, months, years even, when you continue to have pain. And it is thought to be due to the infection of the Lyme. However, what I don't know a single person who has been medically trained thinks is that there's an active infection. In other words, the bug is gone, but the symptoms still are there. And that's a different and a very unique distinction. Everybody I know acknowledges a pain syndrome, but you don't have a bacteria still replicating in your body. It's a post-inflammatory type of process that we don't understand well. So we will accept, most people I know will accept scientifically valid evidence. And so if there is a scientific study, and there is not, <laughs> that shows that there is chronic Lyme infection, then I believe most people in the medical community will accept it. But in the absence of that, we have to stick with the facts. And the facts are that there is a post-Lyme syndrome that, that make people suffer. It's a real thing. It's just that um, it is not doing anybody any favors to tell them that you need to take this antibiotic for months and months and months and months. A woman um, recently died from the antibiotic she took for chronic Lyme disease. The side effects of antibiotics taken for the long term for Lyme disease far outweigh any potential benefit. So it's a good question. You have a real thing or, or people who have a chronic Lyme type of symptoms have real symptoms. They're real, 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 real. It's just that they don't require long-term antibiotics. Okay.
0: Uh, let's go before we break. Uh, Anne is calling from uh, Minneapolis. You're on. Uh, uh, good morning. You're on CCO, Anne.
2: Hi, doctor. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about shingles. I know you touched base on it a little bit, but talk about what the presentation is. Um, I was diagnosed supposedly a couple of weeks ago with shingles on my wrist and on my upper thigh. Yeah, I don't think that's what it was because it went away in about two weeks. They did put me on cyclovar and gave me some vaseline-type cream with steroids.
1: So, and it was truly on your both your wrist and your leg. Yes. Yeah. So, um, that's that's possible that it shingles. So, what it looks like is exactly like chickenpox looks like as a kid, except in one or maybe two areas of your body. That's all together. If you have it all over your body like chickenpox, it's something else. And if it doesn't look like those crusty vesicles, little teeny fluid-filled red bumps that crust over after a week or two or three, that's a typical time period, that is what it looks like, and it's got to be on one one place in your body. Now, you had it on two places that are nowhere near each other, so that's a little less common but not impossible. It was reactivated in two different nerves in you. Um, Acyclovir will make it go away um, about a day faster. That's the thing. If you catch it very early, in the first day or two, and you go on a viral medication, you can make the course of symptoms a little less. But basically, people have to kind of suffer through the itchy rash, and then it goes away in two to three weeks, and then it's usually done, although you can have a pain syndrome that follows it. Um, so, did you actually have shingles? I, I don't know. Anna, if you're still on the phone, did it kind of look like what chickenpox looks like?
3: Um.
2: It was a lot more concentrated. I mean, the whole area was red and very, very raw. I wouldn't say that there were separate blisters.
1: Yeah, because when it gets bad, they, they get like a millimeter apart, lots of them, in a concentrated area, like the size of a quarter or a orange, or if it's really bad, it can be like a whole half of your body, but they're, they turn into what we call plaques, big, confluent areas of raised red itchiness. So that... it. In all honesty, Ann, it does sound a a wee bit like shingles. It does. You know, I didn't see it, but it kind of does sound like that's probably what you had. Okay. Well, we have to take
0: our usual break, Dr. Hilden, but we'll be back. We have another half hour of the show to go, so if you miss getting in the first half hour, we're going to check out more text messages when we come back as well. Our phone number, and there is one line open, 651-989-9226. Or you can send again a text at 81807. In the Twin Cities right now, 50 degrees. We're going to be heading for a high today, the warm day of the week. 70 to 74 will be uh, 59 for a high tomorrow. Right now on CCO, it's 50 degrees. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today, which means... You can ask your general health questions either by phone or by text. Dr. Hilden, uh, here's the phone number. There's a line open, 651-989-9226. Folks are calling in, doctor, and uh, the text number is
1: 81807. I know we have many of those, and you want to cover some now. Yeah, if I could, Danny. I'm going to cover some text messages. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in wherever you may be listening. A couple little housekeeping items I wanted to... Um, Remind people about the blog. It's called MyHealthyMatters.org. Just put the word my in front of Healthy Matters and run it all together with no spaces, and it's .org. And you can listen to podcasts of recent shows. That's what I'm really encouraging people to do. Maybe you missed an earlier show and you want to hear what we talked about. There are abbreviated versions, and you can listen to it on your phone, your computer, wherever wherever your mobile device. That's MyHealthyMatters.org. You can subscribe by email. The second thing is follow me on Twitter, DR David Hilden. All one word again, Dr. David Hilden. Follow me on Twitter. I'd appreciate that. And you can stay in touch. I often do little quick little tweets, not very many. I mean, I don't do it every day by any means, but you know but um, something to follow. And then lastly, go to clinicbuilding.org. Nothing else, just clinicbuilding.org and look at the the Hennepin Healthcare's new clinic and specialty center building in downtown Minneapolis. It's being built. It opens on March twenty sixth. 2018, a date that is circled on my calendar um, in red, March 26, 2018, Minnesota's most state-of-the-art clinic and specialty center, Hennepin Healthcare, right across the street from HCMC. It's got 360 clinic rooms. It's got six or seven or eight operating rooms. It's got a little um, lunch place in there. It's got underground parking. You can take the elevator straight to your clinic. Oh, that'll be good. Oh, the whole thing is just so amazing. It's on the bus lines. Beautiful with a four-story glass atrium, so it's light and airy. It's warm. It has primary care, it has eye, dentistry, pediatrics, traumatic brain injury. It's just really cool. And if you want to see me giving tours of it on a video, go to clinicbuilding.org. Isn't didn't you
0: said uh, some weeks ago that also there's a, a, a new helipad? There's a the heli Across more accessible. Street,
1: we have two helipads. I guess they call them stops now because okay. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Uh, um formerly the the helicopter pad at h c m c was on the roof of the hospital of the ramp, which was fine, but it was across the street from the actual hospital. Well, we have a second one um again state of the art on the roof of the building. It's got ice and snow you know, removal systems. It's got lights for the pilots coming in. I mean, it's it is right there on the hospital roof, and people, you can get taken straight to the operating rooms or straight to the emergency room. I'm telling you, if you have the unfortunate situation and you do need emergency trauma care or you need to be flown in, uh, it doesn't get more state-of-the-art than what the people of the upper Midwest have available at HCMC. Oh, great. It doesn't get more state-of-the-art than that. Okay, Sorry. now do a few text messages, and then we'll go back to the phones because there's people on there as well. Um, let's see. I covered some of these, so I'm going to do this one. It says, thanks for the great show. Well, thanks for the compliment. And the text says, how do you discern between dementia and depression, especially in our geriatric population? Wishing you, wishing both of you. That's you and me, Denny, I suppose. Okay. Um Uh, A blessed uh, Sunday. Well, thank you for the nice text. Um, Dementia is a, they can be hard to tell, but dementia is a progressive, gets worse over time, loss of your cognitive functions. Starts usually with memory, and then it starts to get to be into more higher level functions. So it's progressive over time. Um, Symptoms get more frequent and more severe over time. Uh, Delirium is a waxing and waning. can happen in anybody of any age, but it is more common in the older people. It's a loss of your attention. You don't know what's going on in the world around you so much. You can be delirious to the point where you look like you're in a coma. That's a hypoactive delirium. Or you can be delirious where you look like you're just super agitated and you don't know what's going on. You don't know where you are, but then it gets better. That's not the case with dementia. So people can have them both, but delirium is a waxing and waning um, attention problem, whereas dementia is a lack of your cognitive faculties that progresses over time. Uh, Here's one that says, um, I had a CT scan and they found some cysts on my liver. Should I be concerned about this? Probably not, but you never know. Um, The big organ that gets cysts that you got to know about is your kidneys, and sometimes it goes hand-in-hand with the liver. If you just have a, a... Simple cysts that are fluid-filled things—they um, can be benign. However, there are conditions in the liver that is not benign. So you need to know what they are. You need your doctor to tell you for sure: are these just benign cysts, little fluid collections, or are they something more serious? Um, and uh, I would make sure you see—I would see a liver doctor at least once um, if you have liver cysts, so they can tell you, answer that question for you. Um, how about this one? Thanks. Another text says, "Thanks for the great show." Bruising. Why would a healthy 56-year-old woman have unexplained bruising? Uh, if it's something brand new for you, you should go have your blood counts checked. Maybe your platelets are low, uh, maybe, and that, that'd be a common one. Maybe you have some other clotting factor problem that's causing those bruises. Um, it could just be aging. Your skin's getting a little thinner, particularly if you're postmenopausal. And, and then just bumping against the table, your thinner skin and your weaker veins are popping and you're getting bruises. But it could be a blood clotting or a bleeding disorder. And so I would have that looked at, especially if it's new for you. And those are easy to do with some blood tests.
0: All right. Let's go to the phones. If you have a question via phone, 651-989-9226. Jane is calling from Chaska with a question. Good morning, Jane.
2: Hello. I had a question about a staph infection. I had um, basal cell cancer removed. And I've had lots of them removed, but this one got infected. And when I went in, it was all swelling up and hot and red around the incision. Um, It was um, a staph infection. And so then when I went back to have, I can't remember if she gave me a prescription or something then, but I got a prescription later. I went into um, urgent care once because it was a weekend and it wasn't getting any better. It was getting more red and sore. And she um, said it was an infection, but she didn't do anything. I think she's the one that wrote the prescription for us for an antibiotic. Well, it didn't get better, so then I had to go to urgent care again. And that doctor pushed all the infectious pus and stuff out, and he looked on his computer, and this um, prescription I was taking wasn't doing any good for staff. So he prescribed another one. And so I got started getting better then, and I did get better. But the funny part was the doctor called a week or so ago, and he had gotten a staph infection. And I'm wondering if he got it from me. He said he got sick and had a fever and ended up in the hospital.
1: Could that be? And the doctor called you,
2: Jane, to tell you that? That's Had a fever or felt
1: Right. Well, it's possible. Staph infections are communicable, but um, I, I... Most doctors don't call their patients and tell them what they got. So that would be unusual. It's not your problem, basically. You are the patient. It's not your problem of what the doctor got. You do describe a staph infection, though. Staph is short for staphylococcus. And um, the most common ones are the most common bacteria on people's skin are staph and variations of strep. Streptococcus. Coccus just means it's a ball instead of a, a... long rod. And, um, and staph is the name of it. And it's all over our skin. It's on yours and mine. And everybody listening, you've got some staph on your skin right now. That's what your skin is just very good at keeping it there on the outside. But you had a little surgery to have a basal cell cancer removed or whatever. If you get a cut in your skin, the staph can get in your skin. And staph is known for causing purulent infections. That means it has pus. So if you can like squeeze it and it's coming out a, a gross-looking pus, that is very likely a staph infection, and sometimes that's all that's required, is to drain the pus out of it. But most of us would prescribe antibiotics in addition to help out that situation. Staph infections can be something local and mild, just like a little sore. It can turn into a boil. A boil, people, if you know what those are, that's a staph infection. Um and and a boil is is known as a furuncle in medical terms and if you have lots of them they're called carbuncles and those are all staph infections that, but those are really just on your skin. They can get into your body where staph infections are very serious. You can be hospitalized and get intravenous antibiotics for staph infections. So for you, Jane, I just hope you're getting better. Um, I, I hope your doctor is better too. But but mostly, if they're if you're having these red bumps with pus in them and they're not getting better, I would encourage you to go to a doctor again. Make sure they're getting better so they don't spread further. Very good. We need to take a break. We'll be back with more of the show,
0: 651 989 9226, or send us a text, 81807. In the Twin Cities, 52 degrees now, heading for 70 to 74. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. Open line show today. You're driving the show with your calls and text messages. And Dr. Hilden, as you can see, we have both. Let's uh, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Karen is calling from Blaine with a question. Thanks for waiting, Karen.
3: Yes, I have a question on you to carry out.
0: Okay. Go for it. What's your question, please?
3: Well, I've had it for about five years, and nobody really... I keep getting the swellings, the unexpected swellings in my tongue and all over my body. Prednisone will calm me down. But what else does he know about it?
1: Yeah, great. Karen, um, have you gone to an allergist yet? Yes. Yeah, because... That that's going to be my next step, and you've already done it, but I would keep going. Urticaria are hives for other listeners. It can be due to a lot of things. People get hives mostly due to allergies, but not exclusively. You can get hives due to a lot of people get pressure urticaria. Like if you get a warm just from the – like under your belt line, the pressure of your clothes causes a – a hypersensitivity reaction. So it's just your body's immune system is overreacting to something, and that's kind of the definition of allergies, to be honest. And so what we do is we give antihistamines, number one, and we give prednisone, that's a steroid, and anti-inflammatory, number two. And then sometimes people need some other kinds of um, treatments, which are beyond my area of expertise. I would continue to see um, if, you don't, if your allergist isn't getting anywhere, see a different one. Um, not that they're not trying. It can be very difficult. Sometimes people go for years trying to figure out what their urticaria is from. And I, I really feel for you, Karen, because it, it, I'm sure it doesn't feel good at all. Um, maybe come see John Sweet, my really good friend and, and outstanding allergist at, at Hennepin. He's in downtown Minneapolis. He's in Golden Valley. He's at our North Loop Clinic. John Sweet. You know, so that's an easy name to remember. Thanks. think yeah. Sugary Sweet. Um, and uh, maybe just see, just get another opinion. Maybe go to the U of M. Maybe go to Mayo. I don't know. Just get another opinion because this is the area of an allergist. And with enough looking, you need to find out the cause so you can get rid of the cause. And the treatments you're getting only treat the symptoms. And so um, it, uh, uh, best wishes to you. I wish I could tell you what it's from, but there's mm-hmm. another 20, 20 causes. And so keep looking for a cause.
0: Back to the phones we go. Herb is calling from uh, Bloomington. Herb, you're on with Dr. Hilden.
3: Hi, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Doing fine. I had a question on kidney function. Uh, The last couple of years, my kidney function keeps dropping. Uh, And then I had a couple of weeks ago, I had my uh, CK levels taken, and it was 188. And he uh, told me, to let's stop in Alloprol and see what happens, come back in a month. But I was wondering also, could it be the uh, Osmoprol or Pylosec? Can PPIs do that? Not, uh, kidney function also, or?
1: they're not it's not a huge cause or not huge. they can, anything's possible. Um, the analopril is also um, an ACE inhibitor and that's protective of the kidneys, but it has this ironic thing is if your kidneys are getting sick, we stop the thing because it's protective, but it sometimes can make it worse once it's already there. If it's coming and going, Um, uh, I think you need a cause. I would see a nephrologist. I would see a kidney doctor. So you make sure you've checked the protein in your urine. See if you have protein. Have you had that done, by the way, Herb? Have you had a urinalysis to look for protein?
3: Yeah, they uh, did that, and that was fine.
1: Okay, good, because a lot of the kidney the um, problems come from, from protein. Um, some of them do come from medications, although I'm not as familiar whether the Prilosec could be one of them. So go see a kidney doctor. They'll run a bunch more tests. CK is a muscle enzyme. Um, often, if you're on a statin, CK might be high, and it can cause kidney problems. That's a condition called rhabdomyolysis, but your CK levels aren't high enough really for that. But um, uh, another thing to look at, so if you're on a statin, that's a thing to look at. Make sure you, you're checked for diabetes. Um, and then uh, eventually, if your kidney function isn't getting better and you can't find a cause, the, the, the eventually you do need a kidney specialist and maybe even a biopsy.
0: All right, very good. Let's we try to pick up on a text or two okay, before here, we leave. Uh,
1: here's one that says, hey, Dr. Hilden, I was on Norman, That's atenolol, um, 50 milligrams a day in the morning for many years for my blood pressure. It was changed in July to metoprolol, also at the same dose. Because my blood pressure numbers improved, in the first one to two weeks after taking it, I felt heart flutters during the day. It never happened on Tenorman. I'm about 56. Atrial fibrillation is in my family. Um, it's not likely that the change from atenolol to metoprolol did anything to your heart um, rhythm. They're both beta blockers in the same family. Tenorman was one of the first ones. It's many decades old. It's, um, metoprolol is a newer one and has better um, blood pressure control. Uh, but it's probably not the cause, but it could have been. Go get an EKG or some kind of cardiac telemetry to see if you're in atrial fibrillation. Um, since it does run in your family, you're relatively young, but you, you know it's not all that uncommon. So, so my short answer is I doubt it's from the medication change, but it could be. But nonetheless, you ought to have it looked at.
0: No, We had a couple of texts earlier, doctor, about uh, what is atrial fibrillation.
1: Yeah, atrial fibrillation is when your the upper. You have four chambers of your heart. The two upper ones are called your atria, singular is atrium, plural is. uh, um, They are supposed to. They're the the first of the la dump la dump la dump of your heart. They're the love, the first part. And if they're not doing that, they're just quivering. They're quivering. Your body can do just fine with that. But it can cause heart palpitations, racing hearts, skipped heartbeats, and then it puts you at a little higher risk for stroke. So if you have atrial fibrillation, it has to be managed. Um, You should know about it and it has to be managed. It's not usually a fatal thing, but it has to be um, taken care of.
0: I know we're just about out of time, maybe half a minute to go. Who's on the show next week?
1: Oh, we're going to have our chief of obstetrics and gynecology at Hennepin, um, a great, great doctor, Tara Gastillo. We're going to talk about menopause. She is not only a medical doctor, she does acupuncture. And so you're going to want to, if you have menopausal symptoms, there is nobody better to ask than Tara Gastelow. She'll be on the show next week.
0: And if you need a doctor, primary, or whatever.
1: Yeah, we have clinics all over the place in the western, northern, southern uh, metro area of the Twin Cities. It's 612-873-6963. And don't forget to check out MyHealthyMatters.org.
0: See you back here next week with more Healthy Matters here on CCO.